I want to encourage you to take your Bibles today and turn to Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. I'm beginning a new sermon series. It's on leadership and it's about a guy named Moses. It is a case study in the life of Moses. But what you see in, a, in Exodus chapter 2 is that Moses' story grows out of God's plan and really it is realized through the courage of his mother. Exodus chapter 2, there you'll find those first two verses, they read like this. Now remember, Moses is writing this, I believe. This is his reflection, so he's writing his own story. And he says in verse 1, And a man of the house of Levi went and took his wife, a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. When you begin in chapter 2, it's just kind of like a regular story, a story that you might hear each and every day, a normal story. Boy meets girl, girl meets boy, they decide to get married, they have a child. That's really the way this opens. You don't even have their names listed. Like, it is so generic here, at least at this point, that you don't even have the names of the two individuals getting married. It's just a basic story, a story that you've heard thousands of times. The only thing that you have to fill in this story, a couple of details. One, it says that they come from the house of Levi. Both the boy and the girl, they come from the tribe of Levi. Later readers will open this and they will hear this story and they'll understand that this tribe of Levi, it is the tribe of spiritual leadership. It is the clergy tribe. It is the tribe from whence the priest and the ministers of the temple will come. So maybe there's some significance there as you're looking at this, that this is going to be a spiritual leader. And then the second detail we're given is that the child was beautiful. Now, who doesn't think that their child is beautiful? I mean, now Moses was writing this, and maybe he was reminding Aaron and Miriam and all the rest of them, I was a beautiful child. Maybe he was. But here, I mean, it just makes sense that the child is going to be beautiful, right? Every one of us that have had children, we know our children, we, they were beautiful. Were they not? Those who are here are nodding. Those there, you're looking at your children probably now, and you're probably thinking, yes, you were beautiful, especially before you started acting out on some things, but you were beautiful. I remember you as a child. We all think our children are beautiful, so it, it shouldn't surprise us here. I, a few years ago, I was at First Baptist Church of Zachary. I was standing at the back of the church, you know, greeting everybody as they went out. And there was a lady that came, and she began talking to me about this baby that she had. And she said, Brother Reggie, isn't this the most beautiful child you've ever seen? Now, understand, I have four kids. So I looked at her and I said, well, maybe the fifth most beautiful child I've ever seen. She never came back to the church, I don't think, after that. And I do, I have learned, I've grown through the years in ministry. But all of us think our children are beautiful. What does this mean? Again, Moses is not just trying to tell his siblings that he was beautiful as he's writing this. But I believe that this passage says that this child has a goodly form and has the favor of God upon him. There is something that is in him. When, when mother looked at child, 
She saw something. She saw a plan that God had for that child. And you and I, when we look at our children and we see their beauty, we ought to also be reminded that God has a plan, a unique individual plan for each one. So again, this is just a normal story. A couple individuals coming together to get married, to have a child. They come from the tribe of Levi and they have a beautiful child. But it's at the end of verse 2 that things begin to feel out of whack. Look at verse 2 again. It says, she hid him three months. Something seems to go awry here. Something's not quite right. You see, I'm reading through a normal story, but when I get to the end of verse 2, something seems strange. It's out of place. Why would you hide a beautiful child? Most of us, we would make sure that our children were seen, were evident. We would make sure that we posted pictures of them on Instagram or Facebook. We'd want people to see our children. Why is she hiding her child? Because of the dark times and the dark trials that are all around. So I want to give you the first truth this morning. As we talk about mothers, as we talk about the courage of mothers, I want you to hear today that a courageous mother chooses faith over fear. A courageous mother will always choose faith over fear. She hides her child. In order to get some understanding of the dark times, you have to go back to chapter 1. And you have to see the setting. You have to see the world in which this child was born. When you go back to Exodus 1, you find a dark, indecent passage. You find the people of God suffering. Now that should surprise some of us because when you look at Genesis and you see how God works in bringing the family of Abraham to Egypt, I mean, you end Genesis like everything is good. The people of God, they're being provided for. Remember that in Genesis, God had worked in a sovereign way to put Joseph in a place of authority so that when the family of Jacob was in need. When they were in famine, Joseph would invite them and welcome them to Egypt and they would be provided for. It was a marvelous story of God's sovereignty and God's work. But something dramatically changes between the end of Genesis and Exodus chapter 1. There's some abrupt change because in Exodus chapter 1, Joseph is dead. Centuries have passed. And the memories of Joseph's contributions to Egypt, they have faded away. Now, God continued to bless the family of Jacob, the descendants of Abraham. The Bible says that some 70 had gone down to Egypt, but through the years, God had built a family into a people. But as they increased in number... Skepticism and suspicion grew with the leaders of Egypt. The Bible tells us that there is a new Pharaoh that comes on the scene that does not remember Joseph and his contributions. And all he can see would be these people, this nation, if you will, growing right before his eyes. Friends, skepticism and suspicion will often lead to fear. And fear will often lead to cruelty. 
When somebody is afraid of somebody else because of what they look like or who they are, before you know it, that hatred has developed into a cruel type of lifestyle. And here in Exodus chapter 1, you see the cruelty. Because Pharaoh and the Egyptians begin to oppress They begin to oppress the people of God. They begin to oppress the Israelites. And that's the dark time, the dark time of hatred, the dark time of racism that you find in Exodus chapter 1. May I remind you that you and I still have dark times around us. Were we not painfully reminded this week of the hatred, hostility, and even racism that still exists in our communities. Most of us had never heard of a young man named Ahmad Arbery until this week. And then our hearts were broken to not only hear, but unfortunately some who saw the video of his death. And then to begin to see how the seeds of racism had played into that moment. What a dark time. And then to see how the justice system itself was unjust, or unjust, I should say. Our hearts still grieve because there are dark, dark times all around us. There are dark times in the life of this, this couple that got married. There are dark times and even surrounding the birth of this child. And that is the reason a mother has to hide her baby. I say to you, there are dark times around us. But when dark times come, we need to make sure that we choose faith over fear. We need to be people who speak out to those things that are unjust. We need to be people who live every day building relationships and not giving up on one another. We ought to be people who express the hope of the Lord Jesus Christ to each and everybody we come in contact with. Aren't you proud they didn't give up? There are times I look at the depraved world in which I live and I say, God, this is too much. I'm through. I'm through with all of this. But God's people have never given up. God's people always have hope. Here you have a couple, and you would think they look around them and they see all that's coming against them. They see the oppression that is being directed toward them by the officials. And what did they do? They still get married. They still have children. They still continue on with their lives. You and I, we cannot give in to defeat in our lives. You and I, we have to choose courageously faith over fear. We have to make sure that we continue to live and go on. And to, again, speak in those moments of injustice, to speak truth and to speak reconciliation. Here, they get married. Get married. Even in the dark times. And they have a child. Sometimes you think, Why should I even bring a child into this world? When you see what happened even this week with the loss of this young man, you think, why would I bring a child into this world? I tell you, you bring a child into this world because there is still hope in the Lord Jesus. And you speak for that hope, even in the dark times. Hey, some of you on another level right now, some of you are experiencing difficulties even in your ceremony. Some of you... Some of you are trying to get married. This is a tough time to get married. 
It's a tough time to have people. It's a tough time to celebrate like you would like. <laughs> but don't give in to the dark times. God works in the dark moments. Often he works in the dark moments. What does he do here? He, he works in the dark moment through a marriage and through a birth. And God continues to do those things. But you got to choose faith over fear. Faith in the dark times. Faith in the midst of all the difficulty that you find around you. Remember God has a plan. He has a plan in the dark times. Don't forget that this book is entitled Exodus. Even in the title, you should have a sense of hope and heightened anticipation that God is going to bring deliverance, that God is going to bring his work to bear in the life of his people. So God has a plan. And God is going to bring this one Moses and he is going to use him. His plan. You must have faith. Thank God for a mom that had faith. Because fear will paralyze you, but faith will always propel you. Faith will paralyze you not to do anything. But faith will propel you to the actions that are necessary. I want you to see that there was faith in the midst of dark times. Faith in the midst of dark trials when you read chapter 1 your heart is grieved because of the oppression of God's people but as you continue to read you see how depravity continues increases I would say that when you continue on through the chapter you see how Pharaoh gives up on oppression and he adopts he adopts a policy of murder it is an indecent passage, as I said earlier. Because what he does is he calls representative midwives to himself. And he says to them, look, these Israelites, they continue to populate our land. And in order to control them, what I ask you to do is for you to kill every son of Israel that is born. In the process, in the birthing process, I want you to have them destroyed a barbaric procedure unfortunately we see those kinds of things still exist across our land today as well in barbaric kind of practices and procedures but thanks be to God that these midwives in their own way they say no and they refuse to do this evil practice this is the first of where you see in Exodus women being courageous. These two women that I believe save a lot of children. So Pharaoh understands, he sees what happens, and he decides that he'll make another decree, and the decree will be, if a son of Israel is born, what you do is to cast them into the river. You are to drown them in the river Nile. So now you begin to see why verse 2, that last few words of verse 2 have been included in our Holy Scripture. Because there were dark times and there were dark trials. And yet in the midst of this, as I said, there was a courageous mother who chose 
faith over fear. Later, the parents of Moses will be included in the New Testament. They'll be included in what we call the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents, because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Explicitly stated in the New Testament, faith, that was behind their decision. Faith, trust. They believed that God had a plan, that God had a plan for this child, and they trusted in this God to fulfill that plan. They hid their child. Now, I do believe that the hiding of the child fell in the responsibility of the mother particularly. When Moses is writing, he says it is the mother who was hiding him. Because the dad would go out each day, go about his activities of work. She would be there and she would try to hide the child. And she tries to hide the child, we are told, for three months. Three months. Now that must have been a difficult time. I've read all types of commentaries about why three months. You know, I, I saw where some had said, because newborns sleep a lot. And therefore... Moses probably slept a lot those three months. I don't know which newborns they're talking about. They're not talking about the Bridges newborns. Well, at least my first child. You know, when you have your first child, you've got it all figured out. You know exactly what to do, right? You've read the books. We had. We, we knew exactly how we could get her to sleep. We had read a book called Baby Wise. And that, that book was astounding to read terrible in practice but astounding to read and we tried to do what baby wise said we even went listen we even went to our pediatrician there in Slidell, louisiana the dean of pediatricians in louisiana as far as i was concerned at the time i looked at him and i said what do we do and he said well what you do in the evenings is you put her down and you just let her cry crying never hurt anybody you let her cry and she'll eventually go to sleep. You'll eventually get her on this kind of pattern. So we did that the first night. I think two hours of crying. And you think I'm cruel now, by the way. The next night, an hour of crying. Never got underneath 45 minutes of crying, if I remember correctly. Went back to that doctor. We said, we've done what you said. We've done what baby wife said. We did all this. Why is she not sleeping? He looked at us and he said, because you must have a hard-headed child. Great diagnosis. Difficult prescription to find for that situation. You know, I think about this. She had it three months. Do you understand the, what she was going through to try to hide this child? But she believed. She believed God had a purpose. She believed God was going to protect. She had faith. And she believed and she hid him for three months. So, a courageous mother chooses faith over fear. But I give you a second truth. A courageous mother chooses foresight over foolishness. And that's what I think you find in verses 3 through 9. She has foresight. She understands that she cannot hide this child forever. He is becoming more lively. He is... 
obviously becoming louder. He will be discovered. So she has foresight. She's not going to be foolish about it. Now I want you to hear, faith and foresight can go together. It's okay to have faith and still plan. It's okay to have trust in the absolute work of God and still say, God, I want you to use me and I want to plan accordingly for your purposes. Foolishness should never be included in this idea of faith. This woman had foresight. And you and I have to have foresight. We have to have plans in our lives. We need to look around us and see what God is doing. Join him and plan accordingly. If you fail to plan in your life, you ought to plan to fail. You need a plan. Some of you look at that screen. You're looking at me this morning and you say, well, I don't want to get ahead of God. Folks, you got to stand up and start walking before you even get ahead of God. And some of us haven't even stood up yet and even tried to make plans of what God would have us to do. Here, this courageous mother she chose faith over fear, and she chose foresight over foolishness. She made a plan. It was a foresight for his salvation. She made a plan. And what did the plan include? Look at verses 3 through 9. When she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, put the child in it and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river. And her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child. And behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call a nurse for you from among the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. You see the plan? See the foresight? The mother said, what we'll do is we'll take an ark. I love the English translation here because it is right on. The word that is used here in the Hebrew is the same word that describes the ark of Noah. By no coincidence. Because the ark of Noah would be that place of salvation, that place of security that would go through the waters and continue to protect the people of God, right? So even as you're reading this, you know it's like he, she's building a, a little ark. She's going to build it out of papyrus. She's going to daub it with this pitch and this tar. She's going to put it around because it's going to be a basket of salvation. It will be an ark that will lead him through the waters to his salvation. Now, I think she was intentional because an ark is going to play a part in the plan, but also Pharaoh's daughter. I'm convinced that this mother knew that Pharaoh's daughter would come down to this place in the Nile. I don't think she just went out there and said, let's take a shot. I think she was intentional. I think she 
had seen this happen before because Pharaoh's daughter would have gone down to the Nile. The Nile would have been like a god or a goddess in the life of the Egyptians. And for Pharaoh's daughter, it was like bathing and accepting the life of the goddess, the river Nile. She would have gone down and she would have been in this place, I think, several times. So the mother was intentional. And what she did is she took that little ark, that little basket, and she put it in the reeds. Now, when I was growing up, I always thought of it like they put Moses' little basket in the Nile, and that thing just started floating, just started rushing down the currents. That's the way I thought about it. I was like, man, that's something. I mean, could you imagine little Moses in that? How would they? The Bible says that she took that little ark and she placed it among the reeds. In the side. She placed it so that he would be secure. And so that he would be found. And Pharaoh's daughter. Whether she heard the baby crying. We know when she opened it up. Moses was crying. Maybe he was already crying. And she could hear that. And she noticed the basket. Or maybe she just noticed it on her own. She sent those who were with her, her attendants, to go and to fetch the basket. And here, Pharaoh's daughter becomes an instrument of God's work. As she looks at this baby, she has compassion. Again, I'm convinced that the mother, we find out her name is Jochebed, right? In chapter 6. I'm convinced that the mother felt she sensed that Pharaoh's daughter would have compassion. Archaeologists, as they have done research through the years, they actually found where there was a part of the ancient uh, Egyptian mantra that was used in ritualistic uh, services, especially concerning the Nile, the Nile being their god, their goddess. And that as they would use that mantra, they would say something like this, I have affected no man. I have made no man weep, and I have not kept milk from babes' mouths. And perhaps, perhaps she knew that Pharaoh's daughter's heart would have to turn to her child. Maybe she, maybe she thought that Pharaoh's daughter would accept this as a gift from the Nile. I'm just saying to you that this courageous mother had thought things through. She had foresight. Aren't you, aren't you glad for mothers that have foresight, that think things through, that have a plan? Oftentimes, I just kind of run in, and it's like, all right, we're just going to do this. And Leslie will look at me and say, hold on just a minute. There has to be some type of plan. There has to be. I'm one of these like, let's, let's just do it. No. There needs to be a plan. And here she has thought about the plan. The plan is included in Ark. The plan is included Pharaoh's daughter. And the plan included a sister. Big sister. We find out her name later is Miriam. And big sister was stationed there by mama. Remember? Mama said, hey, you stay right there and you look. You ever, you ever had to watch your little brother, your little sister before? Like you, you, you better pay it. You better watch them. You better not let them, you, you make sure. And Miriam goes and she watches. And she sees what happens. 
And what did she do? She runs up to Pharaoh's daughter and she says, Hey, do you need a nurse for that baby? I've got a prime candidate. I've got somebody that can take care of that baby. Would you need a Hebrew woman to take care of him? Pharaoh's daughter says, Absolutely. And I'll pay her. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Get paid to actually raise your child. Says, absolutely. So look at the plan. An ark, Pharaoh's daughter, a sister. Oh, I told you how two midwives were used courageously, two women. Now what God has done is used three women. A mom, Pharaoh's daughter, and a sister. Courageously in his plan. I love the way God does that. And how God still uses women in his plan today for the kingdom. There was foresight in his salvation. And I would even say, as you think about verse 9, that last sentence, so the woman took the child and nursed him. I would say to you that there was foresight in what I call his saturation. What do you mean by that? Basically, his mom has three or four years with him. Now, I believe that she actually interacted with him later. And I think he knew his mom. I think he knew Miriam. Some people disagree with me. They are wrong. But anyway, they, they disagree with me on that. They think that there was never any other kind of interaction. She only had these three or four years. I, I think she probably entered in his life later. But she knows she has three to four years and that's it. You don't think she squeezed every moment out of that time? You don't think she invested in this child as much as she could? You don't think she taught him about God's heritage and God's plan and God's, God's future for these people? You don't think she poured herself into that child? And she took every opportunity for those three to four years. Those of us who have preschoolers, they're watching. Let me tell you, you start then. You start at that moment investing in that child for the Lord Jesus Christ. I say to you that when you invest, when you saturate them with the word, when you saturate them with the presence of God, when you saturate them, they will experience his life and his nourishment. I believe for the next three to four years, she poured in everything she had to this little guy named Moses she was courageous she planned she had foresight in his salvation and she had foresight in his saturation and you and I in our lives with our children we need to have a plan for them to see salvation we need to have a plan for them to be saturated in who he is well Verse 10 comes along. She knew it would one day. But here it is. It says, And the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. Those must have been some of the toughest words to ever be penned. But even more so, the toughest words to actually live out. I can't imagine giving my child over to somebody else. 
I can't imagine coming up and saying, here's my child, but now he's your child. She's your child. It must have been a difficult day for that mother. But she had faced the last few years with courage, and she faced this day with courage. Because I'm convinced that she believed that she might give over a boy in order to receive back a man. She gave over Moses. But she knew that one day she would receive back a man that was standing in the image of God. That's what she believed. That's what she trusted. And what's also awesome about this is to know that God's plan had achieved its purpose. God is able to overcome every type of dark moment, every trial. God's, God's able to overcome those things. Don't you believe that? Haven't you believed that through these days? I hope you have. And look what God does. God gives forth a guy named Moses. Oh, it says, so she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. The Egyptian translation of Moses would be simply son or birth of a son. The Hebrew translation of Moses is draw out. And see, what happens here is even in the name, there is hope, there is testimony to God in the name. Because this child was supposed to be tossed into the Nile for his death, and yet he had been drawn out of the Nile for his life. Because the Lord Jesus, even at this time, was on the throne. Because God was working. Because God is able to take those things that were meant to be evil and he will, he will make them good. That's what you see. And then as he goes into that palace, it was supposed to be Pharaoh's decree that would destroy him. But it will be Pharaoh's decree that will save him during these days. <laughs> you see, God was working. And he was working through a courageous mother. I remind you some centuries later. In the dark shadow of another pagan empire. God will use a courageous mother named Mary. To bring forth another child. And whereas Moses was the deliverer of his people. The one who has delivered the nation of Israel. Those centuries later. There would come one named Jesus who would deliver his people. But his people would not be one ethnic group. His people would be the nations themselves that he would bring before him for salvation. She would be a courageous mother who would choose faith over fear. She would be a courageous mother who would choose foresight over foolishness. Friends, today, you and I, we have a lot of women in our lives that have been courageous. We ought to thank them. We ought to call them up if we can't go see them. If we, can't, we ought to give thanks for them. Even those that God's already called on for glory, we ought to stop and say, God, thank you for that mom that you gave to us. I said Moses writes this. I, I believe that. I think this is the book of Moses. I believe he writes this. Can you imagine writing the memoirs? Where did he get this from? His mama told him about it. 
Where did he get it from? I think even Pharaoh's daughter said, you know, one day I, I took you out. Courageous mother. I say to you, you and I ought to give thanks for the courageous women that are in our lives. And we need to show our appreciation to them. But more, but much more so. How God ought to use this passage to challenge us to be courageous people. Whether you're a man or a woman, whatever, you and I are, are supposed to choose faith over fear every day. And to demonstrate it even in dark times and dark trials, we are to demonstrate faith and trust. We're to show foresight instead of foolishness. Plan accordingly. Listen to God, but plan accordingly. Be people of courage. I pray that today, your kids, your grandkids, the community, and others would see people of courage when they look at you and perhaps your spouse. They would know you and they would see courage and faith and foresight in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I come to you this morning and I do thank you for this story. A story that still captures our imagination, but it much more so, it captures our spirit. And God, there are moms who are out there watching today that have had this courageous spirit about them. God, thank you for them. God, how our gratitude wells up for those women who have stood for you through the years, who have invested in us who have made a difference for the kingdom. And God, I pray that every woman that would hear the sound of my voice this morning, that every woman would continue to respond. And even, Lord, if there are things that they need to change, God, you would work on them right now to be the mom you want them to be, to be the woman of courage you want them to be. God, use them in the salvation process of their family and their community. God, I pray this morning for all of us to respond with courage. God, these are dark times. We have been reminded of what a depraved, hate-filled world we live in. But God, do not allow us to succumb to such hatred, to such hostility. But God, instead, help us to be people of courage who would live in faith and trust in you each and every day. Father, Help us to know that you can work in the dark moments and the dark trials. That you can provide your salvation and your life. And God, use us mightily during this time. That the people may know that the God we serve, Jesus himself, is the hope and the victory and the life. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.